last week on Into the Dead. I just had to pee. I mean, number one, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so it kind of sounds like uh, Jack of all trades, master uh, of none. Oh, man, that's cap. <laughs> Did I just enter a Seinfeld episode? Is that what's going on right here? And people just collapse, right? And they're drooling and sweating and other stuff. When you come here, being a cougar gets poured at you. Uh, and, and it's become part of me. Happy Halloween. <laughs> it's time to get back into the dead. We're back and better than ever. A weekly podcast dedicated to covering the student athletes, coaches, and teams of the University of Minnesota Morris Cougars. Into the Den has no offseason. And now, the Den is open again. Let's go deep into the Den. We've got something special going on here. With your co-hosts, Tim Grove and Matt Johnson. Yes, welcome back into the den for this Halloween edition. We are October 31st, Halloween Day 2023. We are back and better than ever along with my uh, co-host and athletic director, Matt Johnson. I am Tim Grove. Welcome in, Matt. Happy Halloween. (laughs) Nice. That was an an excellent addition. That was very, very good. You turn uh, Mike Seahawk loose and anything's going to happen. Great great job. Great job, Mike. Um, as usual, we have the uh, a great week in Cougar Athletics to get into eventually, but first we are excited to welcome in none other than head swim and dive coach Dave Molesworth. Dave, thanks for joining us today. It is great to have you in. Hey, thanks for having us. Absolutely. So uh, thanks for being here. I think one thing that I want to start with, and I know we talked about this at our Cougar Days of Giving when you were on here, well, middle of September, I guess, when we had that. Um, we've got a new, brand new swim and dive men's program. Brand new program. And if you could just remind us, like, what what's the timing been? When did you know we were going to start a program, or were you part of the conversations with that? And kind of bring us up to speed to where we're at right now. Well, it's kind of been one of those things where we've always kind of had guys come to campus that were swimmers, and they've always asked, like, are you ever going to start a men's program? And that was never in that foreseeable future. Um, and then Matt and I started having conversations last year as things kind of got into that whole mix of what we were going to do for this year. And it was right before championship meet that they came out and said, Hey, we're looking to do this. And I'm like, well, let us get through championships and then let's make this announcement and deal with it then. And then we did. And it was just exciting for the athletes. So when you say the championships, you mean last spring, last liberal arts. Yep. In February is when we made that decision. Wow. That's a quick turnaround. It was. So from that point to where we are now, talk about the recruiting process. Who So I mean, specifically for your men's team now, mm-hmm. So did you have to go out and get all new athletes? Were there people, as you mentioned, on campus that want to swim and dive? And then are there any multi-sport athletes that you have? We have a group of multi-sport athletes, uh, primarily with track and field or cross country. Um, but we have eight, nine guys on our team, one diver and eight swimmers. Um, and four of those are brand new to campus coming in. Uh, the rest were already on campus. And a lot of the kids I talked to at February, March had kind of already narrowed down or made decisions, that kind of stuff. So it was a little bit difficult getting kids that were interested in looking at another school at that point. But it was exciting with the kids that wanted to come because all of a sudden they were all in. And it was great to see that. So you referenced the four new students new to campus. Yep. Uh, what? Talk to me about a year from now, two years now, three years from now. What does that roster size look like? Do you, is it going to be comparable to what we've... Because you've always been in that upper teens, lower 20s on the women's side. Is that where you expect to be on the men's as well? Uh, yeah, that's where I want to be within the next two years. Yep. I'd like to be in those mid-20s so we're competitive. Yep. Um, and we've already got one guy, two girls committed for next year. 
So recruiting's going well already. We just had three guys on campus last week. Um, it's really going in the right direction, and people are learning quick. Is as you're now recruiting onto the men's side of it, are you finding that diving is still at a, at a premium? I mean, are there you you referenced one? I mean, when Wesleyan was here, did they have? I mean, it, I, it's just men's divers are hard to find, correct? Well, women's divers are hard to find. Men's divers are literally almost impossible. It's tough because <laughs> there's just so few men that do swimming and diving. Yeah, and sounds diving like post, is that weird sport. Sounds like post players. Mm-hmm. Yep. There, it's just that really niche, and you've just got to be in a different mindset to toss your body off a board and fly in different directions. So for those four athletes new to campus, um, where where did where are they from? Are those Minnesota kids? Did you branch out wider in your recruiting? What is that? Pretty much like? Minnesota kids. Uh, one's a transfer in. Uh, I, I knew him and his family. His sister actually looked at Morris as well and ended up over at St. Cloud State. He transferred in after a freshman year and wanted to swim. Heard we were starting a program and transferred in and is doing great. Uh, the other guys I reached out to and they were like, well, I was going to go to another school, but you got swimming and I want to swim. Mm -hmm. So in they came and they were just ecstatic to come here and swim. Um, but mainly Twin Cities area. So you've done this before. I mean, you yes. started our women's program here. So you you kind of understand what's behind it and what needs to be done. Even with that experience, have there been some growing pains for you in the, in the men's program in terms of starting things up, getting things going, kind of leading up to your first competition last weekend? A little bit here and there. The nice part having the women's program is we've got an established swim team here. And it, kind of everybody in the state knows that Morris has swimming, um, whether it's just women or men now. The nice thing is I can reach out to coaches and be like, hey, I'm from Minnesota Morris. So like, oh, yeah, okay, gotcha. And now I'm like, we're adding men. Send me guys' names. And they're like, yeah, we'll get you names right away. So it's been that way because they already know we have an established program. When them, with the women, it was all new, and nobody knew we had it. Yep, so because I honestly do not know the answer to this, do most of the high school programs that you've recruited women from, do they also have men swimming and dive as well? Or the is... majority do. Okay. And that's really nice because I can reach out to either that coach or the women's side, and I know them because I've recruited through them, or I can reach out to the men's coach because sometimes they are different. Uh, the other one being a club coach is I see all those club kids, and I get to reach out to those club coaches, and they coach both genders. So that's helped over the years too. And then when you're looking at setting up your schedule, now scheduling for both the men's and the women's respectively, um, like last weekend, you know, was an opportunity to have dual, you know, with both genders there. Is that how most of them are going to be going forward? Or what does that look like from a scheduling? Uh, and, and honestly, Tim, that's the biggest growing pain so far is yeah. I've got a lot of connections with women's only teams because yep. up here, that's primarily what you see. You go elsewhere in the country and there's a lot of men's programs that are attached to those women's programs. So that was one of the big things in re in that recruiting and starting a new program that like, hey, we've got to have men's meets. I can't just take the women anymore. I've got to have a meet that has both genders. So several teams like Jamestown reached out and they're like, hey, can you come back next year? I said, can you find a team that's got men to join us? Um, so that's kind of where we're at in that process. And Nebraska Wesley and I've known Kyle Hunt for years because they were in the liberal arts before. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, you got a men's program. We'll come. We'll come up to you. And I'm like, awesome, we'll come to you the next year. And so we'll start that trend now, too, with the men's programs. So let's take that there. So you mentioned Nebraska Wesleyan. They were up in our pool this over the yep. weekend. What can you tell us about the actual competition that you guys performed in now this this weekend? Now we've we kind of let, built up to this. Now they're in the pool. They're swimming. They're, they're doing it. How did that go for the guys? I think the guys came out of that just, just in on cloud nine. Like, it was so cool, and it was such a great environment. You know, the women are really exciting. But the men bring another component to that and having both of them, there yelling, cheering for each other and the men going sometimes that the women weren't quite sure they could go those times. All of a sudden, everybody's like, this is just exciting. 
and there was just that atmosphere that everybody was energetic and it was fun i because we we both coach at the same time yep i don't get to a lot of swim meets i was able to be at, at their friday night for a while and it was it was fun it was a fun environment um teammates just cheering for one another it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of, of what you see in track and field yep right where you just re really you really come together as a team and you're truly cheering for one another which was just so awesome to see yeah and it's and like, like i told the ladies i said you guys are great you cheer really really well for everybody guys are just loud like they're just kind of loud and obnoxious <laughs> on occasion and that was the fun part was they were so loud the women got even louder and then the whole pool was just rocking in some of those relays. And even the guys competing against the B relay for North Nebraska Wesleyan, they were neck and neck and everybody was going nuts, even Nebraska Wesleyan. So it was really cool to see them get involved in how well those guys were doing. So as you're now one meet, I guess two meets technically into season, you have another one coming up this weekend. When we look back on this first year of men's swimming and diving before we transition over to the women's side, what are some goals you have for the program in terms of the growth and development that you want to see this first year? So a lot of these guys, like I said, only a couple of them are coming right out of high school or something like that. Most of these guys have taken a year or two years or three years off and they haven't swam. So they're just getting their techniques back. So when we talk about the guys team and I look at some of their times across the board, we had like five guys go lifetime bests and they've been out of the pool for a year or two. School records to do. And yes, yeah, lots we of rewrote the record board. It was amazing. <laughs> So that was kind of fun too. And I told the announcer, I said, every men's event, if you want to, you can say, well, that's a new school record because it, it truly is. And that's kind of the cool part that we're dealing with now. But that's the fun is like the guys are coming up like, is that the school record now? And I'm like, well, yeah, we don't have any. That's right. So it's been fun, but it's also been really energetic and they are so excited to be a part of this. Well, and it was, it was funny to hear that because I'm, I was literally sitting there watching, wondering okay, how many of these guys have taken time off? It's different, I would assume, because of so much technique in swimming, it would be, I would assume, different than someone taking a couple of years off and playing basketball or someone taking a couple of years off and playing soccer because so much of it isn't, you're just out there kind of playing and running mm -hmm. and doing some of those things. Where, where swimming, there's such a heavy technique to it that I, that was what I was really interested in in terms of how long have they been away and how quickly do they get it back? Yeah, and it was one of those things where it's like of the guys like right away, they hit some of those times and they're like, coach, that was my high school time. Or coach, we had one kid that lifetime best in three events on Friday alone. Wow. And I'm like, how, what are you doing? And it's just that technique is with what we do and how we break it down just clicked in his mind and it's working and he's flying. And that was fun to see them get excited and hit some of those times because they're just like, I didn't know I could do that. And the beauty of adrenaline, right? Oh, 100%. And, and that's the tad sure. into, um, I was there, you know, for the beginning of the meet as well, sitting under the stairs. <laughs> um, but it was just awesome. I mean, you could feel it. And with the exception of not being able to find any timers and having to please with the audience to come down and, yes. and do that. But in terms of all the rest of the environment, Dave, it was just, it was electric and, and fun. And that's only only with nine guys you know as yep. you grow this roster to have like you said low 20s here yep. you know think of the the environment that that's going to create in the pool is just going to be intense correct and if nine guys and 16 women can do that imagine what yeah 20 some girls and 20 some guys can do yeah and how just energetic that pool is going to radiate yeah it's exciting um let's jump over to your established women's program which you've done a great job with now for 20? This is our 20th season. Wow, 20th season. Just outstanding. We're getting old, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> speak for yourself. Yes, we are. And some of us are even no, older. Matt's been here as long. Some yes. of us are even older <laughs> than you probably. But um, let's talk about this year's roster on the women's side. And do you feel that you have the the depth of swimmers and the expertise in the, in the different swims that, that can get you guys where you want to be? 
Yes, I do. Uh, we've got some, we brought in some great freshmen, and they are melding with the team. And we've got some exciting stuff that are that's going to happen at LACs when we're finally tapered. Um, now it's getting those freshmen, those first year swimmers, into that fold, understanding how the training goes, understanding what they're looking for, and how to hit those benchmarks to get there. But as we go through the season, I'm really excited to have some of those new sprinters jump on those relays where we've been. We've had three of four legs. We've had two of four legs. Now we've got four legs. And how fast can that relay be when we're all tapered, we're at that exciting championship, and we've got the four legs to actually compete with teams? I'm ready to go. Like, let's get after it. Well, I'm ready to watch. I'm not, ready to, <laughs> I'm not going to jump in there and jump and in get that my pool and on. let's go. Uh, so so on, in regards to the women's program, again, is 16 swimmers right now? Is that where you're... The, the numbers are correct, at. correct. And then talk about that split. How many of those are first-year kids for us? What do, what do your returners look like? Who are some of those standout performers? What you expect this year to be? So we have no seniors, mm -hmm. which is really kind of a unique setting because everybody's an underclassman at that point to some degree. Um, we have, I think it's seven freshmen on the squad and everybody else sophomore, junior. So they've been here a year. They kind of know what to expect. But those seven freshmen, some of them are coming from high-level clubs. Mm -hmm. They're coming from good high schools where they've been in the mix of high-level meets before. And that's going to help experience-wise. And I really expect them to jump off that page as we get later into the season. Mm. Um, we did set one women's record, the 100 IM over the weekend. Megan Hevron rolled that record. Um, and she's a club kid from Sox Center. So, you know, there's one right away that's jumped off the page. Um, you know, we're looking for Faith Ham. Um I'm trying to think of a couple other girls. Rita Erickson's going to be great in our distance event. She jumped into the mile first time ever mm. and rocked it. And she's like, coach, I kind of like that. And I'm like, well, welcome to it. Cause that <laughs> yeah. might be a new event for you. So she's going to see that one a lot. Um, and we've just, our returners are just ready to go. And they're so excited about what we started with the men's team, having the new freshmen jumping in with us. And honestly, I'm just excited to see what they can do. So with that, of course, you guys all lead to the LACs, the liberal arts championships. Yeah, everything we do is geared toward that for sure. So with that in mind, what what are your I was gonna say, goals and expectations? I guess maybe just the easiest way to say it. What are your expectations for the season? What are your goals for the season? What do you want to accomplish throughout the year here? And that's the challenge is we're looking at a couple teams in like Asbury University and St. Ambrose that they're huge. They've got big rosters and they've been fast for years um, and a lot more years than we've even been around. And to take them down would be a huge stepping stone. But we got to get as close as we can. And I think last year we were close. This year, I want to get closer. I want to start getting into those relay competitions where we've been missing that one leg. And all of a sudden, now we're standing on that podium every time. Um, and only top three stand on that podium. So we're fourth. We're just outside of that sometimes. It's like, I want you guys up there. And when we get up there, it's really exciting. Now we need to start being up there consistently. And swimming on both the men's and women's side is such a numbers game, as you referenced, right, Dave? Correct. Like, like when you're talking about a, a St. Ambrose or whatever who just literally have more humans yep they're able to score in more events they're able to not be stretched as thins they have people that might even just focus on some of the just the sprints or the relays or or things that that as you're building and continuing to build this program to get to that point is the ultimate goal right correct and they do they'll split up and i mean you might have kids that only do backstroke they only do i right. we we're a little bit smaller school obviously too which our numbers are always be a little bit smaller in that, but getting to that point where we have stroke specialist, we have a kid who this is the event and mm -hmm. you're going to go win this event. And that's what we're working on building. And as we get closer and closer to that, like a Caitlin camp and Matt, you were here during that time where she just dominated the short freestyle events. We need a bunch of those and we're getting a few of them. We're putting those in place where now our relays are going to be strong. Now we bring in a couple more because we don't lose anybody next year. Yeah. Now our team's even better. 
And it's just another year of rebuilding to get to that point where our numbers are up and our talent levels up. So as we're, again, working towards that peak in February, which is still... I mean, three months from now, when you, well, two and a half months from now, however you look at Long it. Long enough. What does, I know you you had a meet last weekend. You've got Southwest State coming in this weekend. What does your meet schedule look like leading up to winter break? And then what does it look like coming out of that to be peaking at the right time? So our meets are kind of set up. Uh, we've got, yeah, we, this weekend we host Southwest uh, Iowa Lakes Community College and Concordia here on campus Friday. And then Saturday, we travel to Marshall, and we swim Southwest and Iowa Lakes again. So it's another two-day meet, which is really cool. And a lot of these kids, like I said, have never done that. And that is huge for them understanding the college process. Um, The week before Thanksgiving, we head down to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, against Augie, and run their big Augie invite. Uh, That's a prelims finals for three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So it is literally championship in November. And that is ideal for our freshmen yeah. to understand, especially the men now, because they don't even have upperclassmen men that they can rely on to tell me how it, what it's mm-hmm. like. Sure. They are going to go in there and kind of eyes open, like, what is this? And it's division one and two teams. So they'll be rested. They'll be suited wow. and they will be flying. And I, I talked to them in our team, in our group meeting the other day. And I said, guys, we're going to go in. And for the women too, we're going to do our thing. We're going to focus on our swims. We're going to do the best we can because everybody else is at a different point in their season. Like they start the first week of campus or they're on campus. We don't start until September. They've got a month and a half of training. They should be doing that. Yeah. We don't do that because we don't get that length of time to train. So we go in there every year and we have some great swims, but they're great swims in our world because we're not rested. We're Mm -hmm. not suited up in those big tech suits. Mm -hmm. We're doing our stuff. And as long as we keep doing that, we're going to be in good shape. We go to training trip. It looks like we'll be in Florida this year down in Fort Myers or Naples area, which will be a blast to get down there and have men. And we'll do some team stuff. We'll do a ton of training. They won't like me when we get back, but that's all right. Um, they'll <laughs> like me come February. Yeah, there um, you go. And then we go to Sioux City, Iowa. We're down there against Morningside, who we haven't seen since they left the Liberal Arts Championship, and that'll be great. Um, and then we come back, and we've got a couple other meets, and I can't remember them off the top of my head, but it, then it's kind of that taper time where we're coming down in yardage. We're coming down, they're building energy and they're reserving that energy for February. And then three and a half days of everything you got. That's fun. Let's go. Well, yeah, seriously, man, Let's that's go. where to know that you have everything building up to a combination of one, four, three and a half yep. day stretch. It, it's got to be exciting. It's also got to be taxing, you know, on uh, because of, of the grind of what the season is to know that you're just, you're getting into that point where you weren't want to get to your taper so that you can, like, as you said, conserve energy and then get after it, you know, come Thursday, February 10th or whatever the uh, date yeah. is this year. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things where even as a coach that like everything's kind of chill until then. And then as a coach, did we do enough? What are we doing now? Are we, what do we, what do you got to do? We're missing something. And as a coach, some of you guys like weekly competitions, Tim, you go through that every week. We go through that process for five months yeah. and it's all in three and a half days. And that tells our season. Right. So it's, everything is geared toward that and making sure that we're as ready as we can be at that moment. And Matt, you've been there, you walk in and you're, you're just energized. Yeah. It's like just sticking a battery in you and you are just ready to go. Awesome. Fun. So as we mentioned, this is the Halloween edition. So uh, Mike, the magic man, Seahawk put together some uh, fun stuff for us here. So we're going to take advantage of that. And Dave, we'd love for you to play along right here with uh, a little bit of this here. Hey, David. Knock, knock. Who's there? Boo. Boo who? 
I didn't mean to scare you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, that is good stuff. Way to go, Mike. Well, and then I'm going to lay this one on you here, too. David, these two deadbeats are going to play a little game with you called Little Known Facts. But it will be up to me to tell you if you're right or deadly wrong. (laughs) Play as if your life depends on it. (laughs) Cause it does. Oh my goodness. I hope Annie's ready for practice today. Man, give Mike an inch and he's taking it a mile. I love this. This is so great. This is so great. Well, so there you heard it. We're playing little known facts, my man. All right. And uh, I reached out to your women's side. Oh, okay. boy. I wasn't going to get all, you know, 30 people involved with this, but I reached out to your women's side and got some good stuff from some of them. And, uh, we'll and just see for how transparency's well sake, your life actually doesn't depend on these answers. Oh, I was so going to say, even for the listeners the out there, Annie real quick, conserve okay. for Dave's health and safety. <laughs> you'll be okay. So I got two facts from, looks like uh, about eight of them or so. Um, and Mike's got some good right or wrongs here, so I may do every single one because it's kind of fun. Love it. Um, but here we go. The first little known fact is, I was involved with music theater for 10 years. Any idea who on your team was involved with musical theater for 10 years? Musical theater. Take a guess. I feel like maybe like Abby Doyle. (laughs) David. You are wrong. (laughs) Next clue. I have three older brothers. I don't think I've met any of their brothers. Well, give me a wrong answer then. I'm going to have to. Guess Abby Doyle again. Yeah. (laughs) I think that one's wrong already, though. <laughs> um, let's go with... Lily Raditz. <laughs> David, you gave us a good scare. But you are wrong. <laughs> that happened to be Natalie West. Oh, okay. I know of one brother. I didn't know of two others. Okay, next one. I used to have a pet hedgehog. Pet hedgehog? That hasn't come up around the pool. I can't yeah, believe I mean, it. We talk about those pets every day. <laughs> How about Hannah Wel- Wellens? <laughs> David, you are right. Wow. Yeah, baby. That was a good guess. Know it all. That was a very you ghoulish know-it-all. <laughs> that was a good guess. I didn't know that. Now, her second one, I'm sure you can appreciate as the dog guy. Uh, but her second clue was, one of my favorite things to do is going on walks, especially with dogs. That would be Ellie. So Hannah comes in almost weekly and takes Ellie out. There you go. She knew you would get that one. Yep, I got that one. She knew you'd get that one. Okay, next one. I love this. I grew up showing dairy and beef cattle and pigs on my grandparents' dairy farm. 
Lily Rennitz. David, everybody gets lucky sometimes. You are right. Oh. She actually messed her knee up with a pig one year. Oh, wow. But very well done. Her yep. second clue was I have juvenile arthritis. I did know Juven- that as yeah, well. I figured you'd know that. That's not very well. That done. one I knew. Nice job. Next one. These are a little random. I'm not sure these would have come up around the pool. I can't even believe the first one to be true. <laughs> well, either one of them, actually. <laughs> first one. I don't like French toast. Well, I don't know, but somebody might not be on our team much longer. <laughs> That's right. I don't like French toast. Um, how about Bethany Knopp? Oh, David, like a pumpkin, you have no brain. <laughs> you are wrong. <laughs> and I'm not sure if this person was born somewhere else or what out of the Midwest, but uh, I've never had tater tot hot dish. Talk about a staple. Yes, correct. Yeah. I, do we even want this person? And obviously for information's sake, Bethany Knopp loves French Cruise. toast. Yeah, let's Does get she? that correct, huh? Uh, boom. Morgan Ball. David, you are wrong. <laughs> I condemn you to the pool of <laughs> blood. <laughs> oh, Seahawk, you're terrific. Okay, that was Caitlin Mello. Oh. Didn't know that. Yeah, sorry, Might Caitlin. I have to talk to her about I that. I hope you enjoyed your time on the swim team. Yeah, correct. Yeah, um, we're going to have to chat about her. <laughs> All right, next one. Oh, this is good. I... Now... There's not quotes here, but I'm giving air quotes to accidentally. Accidentally do this ever, but yes. I accidentally pushed my sister down the stairs when she was three years old and broke her collarbone. That's assault. We're gonna have to watch for these kids. (laughs) Um, trying to think of who's got a sister now. It's a little bit gimpy on their right side because their collarbone is fractured that way. That right arm hangs a little lower. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, how about Maddie Gerdes? David, you didn't know which one it was. <laughs> Sorry, you are wrong. <laughs> Next clue. I have spent more hours in the pool deck than Dave has. Maybe. Let's see who lives there. He's like, who on my team is 43 years old? Yeah, right. right? <laughs> Easy on the age on, on, <laughs> on the radio. Shannon Doherty? Very ghoulish, David. You are right. <laughs> so that sounds like something she'd say anyway. Yep. Whether it's true or not. True or not, yeah, correct. Yep. I like this one for a swimmer. I was scared of the water as a kid until I went to a water park and then I loved the water. Well, who doesn't at a water park? I was going to say not because they swim practice, maybe not, but maybe not. Let's try. Maybe that's Abby Doyle. David, 
You are digging your own grave. <laughs> you are wrong. Next clue. I am scared to swim the 200 fly every time I'm put in it. Lexi Gerdes. David, you are right. She's you the only one that swims so it consistently. Skelefun. And apparently is scared every time. Oh, yeah, I know that part. Oh, yeah. Skelefun. Oh, heard that. Oh, that was good. We've got two left for you. Okay. I named my car Jasper. their car very intimidating car obviously by the way well, yes uh, coach that's Hessing. morgan ball coach hessing has named her car too so you call back <laughs> david you are wrong <laughs> well she's loving today because halloween is my favorite holiday Faith Ham. Oh, David, like a pumpkin, you have no brain. <laughs> you are wrong. <laughs> Rita Erickson. Okay. Last one for you. I like this clue. I really like Legos and Laura Ingalls Wilder. I mean, two things we continually talk about and have on deck every day. Well, your book club, you probably read yeah. Little House on the Prairie. And then... That's right. Yeah. Lego talk. Kennedy Olson. Hmm. David, you didn't know which one it was. <laughs> Sorry. You are wrong. <laughs> Clue number two. I am a leap year baby and will be turning five next year. Oh, I love this. Two outstanding clues. Those are great clues. You don't know which of your athletes is only four right now. You're yeah. going to turn five well, next year. I mean, they kind of all look, you know, the same age. So I mean, it's kind of throwing <laughs> me off a little bit. Morgan Ball. David. You seem to be lifeless at this game. <laughs> you are very wrong. Very wrong. Very wrong. Bethany Knopp. Oh, okay. Morgan was the answer for a lot of these questions. She didn't even give you anything. I so guess. I'd, I'd be interested Thanks, to see what her clues actually would have been. <laughs> David, thank you for being such a great sport. Now... Let's turn it back to the two jack-o'-lanterns, Tim and Matt. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, you turn this guy loose and anything can happen. Yep. And again, setting the standard and the bar for future episodes. I, I hope My we're goodness. around some kind of a holiday coming up. That'd be awesome. Mike, that was absolutely fantastic. And Dave, thank you for joining us. You were awesome. We really appreciate your time. Um, good luck to you. We'll be pulling for you guys as always. Thanks. It'll another, be an interesting adventure. Another meet this week. Well, two. two. Home and home. Yep. And then we're getting after it. So it's so awesome to see uh, the women down in the pool again, and then to add, as you reference the guys to it. I mean, it's a big part of our culture and our fabric. And and again, they, 20 years in yeah. and, and still, <laughs> still going, going strong, man. So appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you, guys.
Okay. That was uh, that was great. I mean, I loved the the swimming information with Coach Mosey and, uh, of course, the fun that Mr. Mike Seahawk well, was able to have. It's almost eerie how much I enjoyed that. That's great. Yeah, so we will move on and, and cover uh, the week that was in Cougar athletics, as we always do, and, and we'll start with Cougar football. And I know you had a great seat to this. I'm going to come back and ask you some things uh, uh, after I run through some of the information. But um, there was a dominating, dominating 56-23 to 23 win over Crown College on Saturday. Um, and I, I laugh, but it may not quite have been as close as the final score would indicate mm-hmm. since we were up 49-10 to 10 at the half. And Crown took the opening kickoff down, marched down the field, scored a uh, 34-yard field goal. But from then on, it was all Cougars. We had six possessions in the first half, and each of those ended up with touchdowns. And our seventh score of the half came off a crown fumble forced by Alex Emmerich and then scored by Greg Ullman um, just before the break there. Second half was primarily a case of just controlling the clock. Cougars did manage one more touchdown, and the final score ended up at 56-23. Running through some offensive stats, there were a bunch of them here. Um, Starting with Marcus Reed, he went 20, or, uh, excuse me, 14 of 18 passing, so uh, very methodical there for 169 yards and a touchdown as well as one rushing TD for Marcus. Blake Johnson, 11 carries, 79 yards, two touchdowns. Isaiah Boss, 53 yards, 11 carries, two touchdowns. Christian Flores carried the load for the second in the second half, finishing the day with 20 carries for 65 yards. Uh, Ethan Klimek. We've mentioned his name a number of times here the last few weeks. He threw a TD pass in the second half. Great to see him uh, back in the ballgame. Leading receiver for the Cougs was Ethan Tang. Seven receptions for 73 yards, two touchdowns. Dylan Naughton, three receptions for 28 yards. Cole Mitchell, 39 receiving yards on two catches. And Carter Watness with a 15-yard reception that helped set up one of Blake Johnson's touchdown runs there. Defensively for the Cougs, Alex Emmerich led the way with nine tackles, five of those solos, and the forced fumble that I mentioned. Hunter Infanger added nine, or, uh, excuse me, eight tackles, six of those solo. Greg Ullman, six tackles, three solo, and his touchdown off the fumble return, and he also added an interception. And then Chase Meyer uh, was a disruptor per usual up front with five tackles and one and a half sacks. And I mentioned... Matthew, you were there. First of all, great job uh, over the Cougar Sports Network. We, um, When I say we, the crew and I that were heading down to Bold to work the, the football game Saturday afternoon, I pulled it up, of course, on on the Cougar Sports Network. And, and um, you know, through the uh, gift of technology, we were able to watch and listen in to you uh, through, well, I would say, partway into the second quarter. I think at that time it was 28-3. to three. I was going to say, your text said 28-3. to three. I'm out. Okay, there so, you go. Yeah. So that's so that's what it was. But um, so you had a great seat to that, and again, great job there. But you know, the Cooks have been a strong rushing team all season long. And and from your standpoint, how beneficial is it to have guys like Isaiah Boss and Blake Johnson who create that impressive one-two punch? Yeah, it's. I said this on air, uh, and I'll say again, pound for pound. I don't think anybody matches what we can do in the backfield in the conference. Uh, and that's not to take anything away from Paul Garrett, who obviously from mm-hmm. Greenville. Yep. I mean, God, he rushed for like 200 yards on Saturday again. The guy is a, a, a dude. Let's not make light of that. But the reality is Blake and Isaiah both bring something different to the table. But when you stack them up to have two guys in the backfield with Marcus like that, yeah. it, it makes us an, an incredibly hard beat. It just they're they're both tremendous yeah you know and you take games where they both put two rushing touchdowns on the board and they do it in different fashion but they they both evade tacklers um both run hard through contact and ultimately 
they find the end zone a lot, you know. So it, it's a nice luxury as we sit back and we look at at this season or, or continue to look at how football plays the game, where we don't need to ask Marcus to step back like Narezo did for Crown. Right. I, and again, his stats aren't in front of me right now, but I bet he attempted 50 passes and, you know, they had to sling it over the yard where Mark, Marcus has the luxury and the opportunity to be really efficient with his passing attempts. 14 of 18. Correct. And, and put in a position where he can, he can focus on taking care of him, running the offense, doing the thing, because he knows he can turn it around and hand it off to Johnson or, or Boss, and they're going to pick up five yards at a clip or seven yards at a clip. They're they're unbelievable. And with that, obviously, too, goes a shout-out to the big dudes up front. And, and that, that's where I was going to go next. As, as nice as it is to have quality running backs, studs back there, you can't do it without the guys up front. So you're a former offensive lineman yourself and an offensive coordinator, heck, co-head coach. Uh, how great is it to have those, those big guys up front doing the job that they do with that running game? Uh, unbelievable. And they're guys, and this, you talk about O-line play all the time where they don't get enough credit and whatever. Probably not. Probably not. Even by the coaching staff, although I, I think Coach Burke is well aware of the value that they yes. hold. But as a general rule of thumb, you see 56 to 23 or whatever the score was, and you're like, ah, the offense played really well. Oh, Boss had two scores. Oh, Tang had a couple touchdown receptions. That's all great. But what you know who's not getting any love in that is Mitchell Foss or Dietrich or... Um, who else is up there? Victor Lopez, you know, Jaeger Gerald, sixth year kid yeah. for us coming back from injury and doing his thing. Uh, and I'm sure I'm missing other guys up front too, but I just, they're so, they're such a valuable piece of what we do. And then they take a lot of pride in, in putting points on the board. And, and that for every time that, that Blake or Isaiah or Marcus, you know, score a touchdown, a little piece of that goes to them too. Yeah. And those cats just, They've been great all year long, and they're going to be great carrying us forward, too, because the running game is a staple of what we do. Yeah. Uh, and it was on full display on Saturday. Well, and, and it seemed like Saturday was another great example of of Coach Burke, OC, just doing a great job of mixing up those timely pass plays along with that dominating running game just to just to keep defenses honest and not know what's coming. And he mixed in a, as we talked about last week, quote-unquote trick play. Yep. He does, and the offense continues to do, before we even get over to the defensive side of the ball. And, right. and you're absolutely right. That game was not nearly as close as 56 to 23. Yeah. But anyhow, um, they do such an amazing job of taking what the defense gives them, you know, and not pulling any punches about it. We know, teams know coming into this what what the Cougs' approach is going to be. And yes, you don't know what the, the, the trick play, what the element is, the um, keep them honest plays. I can't remember the term that Coach I, used. but Right. You, you don't know what those are. You know they're there. But you know that you're going to get a heavy dose of Austin Johnson. And yet they have no answer for it, generally speaking. And uh, give credit where credit is due. Once again, Cooper came up to me pre, pre-game and, again, 13-year-old, 7th-grade son, and said, Dad, first play is a run to Johnson, and then the second play they're going to go play action and hit Cole Mitchell for a touchdown. <laughs> and I said, which, by the way, he's talking to somebody on their staff who told him this, sure. Galen or sure. whoever. Uh, and, again, first play from scrimmage, it was Johnson for, like, six. And then next play, play action, we hit Cole Mitchell right yes. down the seam, wide, wide open, open, and he's tackled that on the four-yard line. So, Cole... You were supposed to score on that one, buddy, yeah, but we'll on. take it nonetheless. Um, but yeah, offensively, they are just, they are firing on all cylinders. And again, I have never been a part of a game where you go six for six, your first possessions are all, yeah. I mean, I've never seen it. It's and crazy. again, I coached a lot of football in my life. Yeah. And the only time, or the last time we scored this many points in the first half was way back in 07 versus Principia, where I guess apparently we had 56 in that half. But either way, it was just, it was just unheard of. Wow. So... 
Next, as you mentioned, let's get over to the defensive side. What are you seeing defensively from the Cougs, of course, under the leadership of Coach Hoffman? Yep. What are you seeing on that side of the ball? Yep, they uh, create a lot of turnovers. They put an incredible amount of pressure on on the quarterback at different points of time, and that is normally keyed by, I mean, Chase, as we referenced, but you've got Meyer and Carter Maurice on the oh, two man. edges. I mean, again, easy for me to say, but two of the best, if not the two best defensive ends yeah. in the conference that, that keep quarterbacks under pressure. And then the other thing that I... I think more so than in any recent years is we're so stout up front. You know, again, a guy who gets no credit generally, you never hear his name, but you sit there like a Mondo Calderon, mm -hmm. you know, sitting in the middle of this. Um, other guys that 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 come in and plug things up and then give Emmerich and Infinger and those guys a chance to just run and find the ball. They are so good on defense. Again, coming into last weekend, Tim, in conference play, eight points a game is what they'd given up. Incredible. And yeah. even here, the 23, fine. I bet now we're up to 11. We're still, I mean, giving up less than two scores a game. Just, they've got it going on, man. It is just really, really awesome. Yeah, we certainly... Landon Wagner, there's oh, there another go. name. Sure, yeah. You want to talk about somebody who yes. just doesn't put up these monstrous stats, right. but with their four-man front, the way they plug holes and force teams to try and beat us, huge. Yeah, and we look, we look like we could be the best team in the conference. Right? I mean, we've got yep. two games to play. We're sitting 3-0. and We're at Martin Luther this weekend. Let's Scary place to play, by the way. Of course. Yep. Of course. Never look, look, overlook anybody. Um, Going to be a, a tough game. They played Northwestern very tough over the weekend. Twice they played them tough. Absolutely. Oh, there you go. That's yes. right. I forgot about that. They, that was the they second They had them beaten week one. Yes. Yes. So at Martin Luther and then home against Northwestern. We're not going to talk about that one yet. Yep. But there's, there's two games left that you look and you say, we have an opportunity here to just... We continue to do what we do. That's going to set up a, a big game on on uh, on Big Cat Stadium here on November 11th. Yep. As the observer from the press box, as I got the best seat in the house on Saturday. Again, getting to do play by play for Cougar yep. Athletics, my awesome. absolute absolute yes. favorite. I will do it for any sport, anytime. So, um, and that is taking nothing away from Brett Miller, who has done a great job Correct. forever with us. But um, I, I love that element to this job. But I believe, I mean, from what I have seen through this point of the season, this is the best. This is the best team that I've seen in a long time. And again, we went six and four, I think, in Coach Cushman's first year. So that like Peter Meyer's senior year at that yeah. group back yep. there. And that was a good squad too. But I mean, we're 10 I haven't seen a team as complete as what this one is. Just because, again, with the depth in the backfield, the ability of Marcus as a senior to sit back there and make reads, and you have these giant, great receivers. I mean, Tang yeah. is amazing. And guy, the way, what's the guy got on this year? 30 catches on the year through through eight games. It's not like statistically he jumps Correct. off the page. He's a 6'5 target in the end zone that can go get one whenever we want. Yeah. Naughton can do the same thing. We've got big tight ends down the seam, and we maul people up front. And then when you look again defensively, that's the best defense in the conference. Yeah, you know, So they've got it going on, and that means they still have to take care of their business. But for all intents and purposes, looks like the best team in the conference. I think we are the best team in the conference yeah. at this point in time. Yep, and we've got a couple weekends uh, here yet to prove it, and, yep. and we look forward to that. And what a big weekend uh, for the area and and state. We had the the Cougar win on Saturday. We had the Morris Area Tigers football team winning on playing Saturday. Playing for a section championship. Playing for a section championship under the leadership of, of head coach uh, Kevin Pope, of course, former Coug, and his assistants are, are former Cougar players. And they're basically all ours. They yep. are. And yep. so it's just fun to have that connection, yep. too, to see them be so successful Cougs running, uh, doing some great things there. And, of course, the Gophers win. And the Vikings, all winners. And I don't know the last time we've had four for four like that. Uh, not very many times in Minnesota lore. That's correct. Yep. 
Um, so great stuff there. Now, my big question for Saturday, I mean, as great a job as you did on CSN, did you get out of here in time to get your family down to the oh, Timberwolves game? Yep, we did the uh, shortest post-game wrap in the history of uh, post-game. <laughs> I said, right? hey, congratulations, Cougs. Really proud of you listening to this rouser, and I left the volume <laughs> on as we went. So, uh, yeah, I got down to the Timberwolves. Uh, we, we got out of that stadium, I'll say it, 10 after 4, and was down there by quarter to 7, okay. watched the game. Okay. Two and hours and change later, I got back in the car and drove two and a half hours home. So it was like six hours of drive time for two hours of basketball, but an opportunity to get my kids down there. Yeah. You know, Especially Cooper loves NBA basketball. I'm going to be honest with you. It was a win, and it was good. I don't particularly love the NBA game, sure, um, but the ambiance and stuff in Target Field or in Target Center was really pretty cool. Good stuff. Happy to hear that. Um, that is outstanding. And now, of course, we uh, go to how we wrap up the football talk with the Cougars, and that is with a tweet from the one and only Coach Burke. I quote, The dawn of a new day always fills me with hope and optimism. If we treat every day like a new adventure, we are seldom disappointed. No matter what happened yesterday, today has the potential to be filled with fresh and exciting possibilities. Latest installment of Coach Burke Tweets. Truer words never spoken. Words never spoke. I will say this too, and I called you yesterday about it. Uh, leaving work yesterday, Coach Burke <laughs> yes. literally comes marching up to me, point fingers in my chest, says, I got a bone to pick with you. And I was like, Whoa, uh-huh. what did I do? What did I say? And he's like, Last week, you bring up our trick plays and how, you know, they're only nice when they're successful. And then what do we do? We blow it on Saturday. And to Jacob Miranda, if you're listening right now, I had initially on the air on CSN blamed you for this. I am being told from the inside source that it's actually on. Naughton. Oh, come on, uh, Dylan. Yeah, we ran a double pass. We ended up scoring on the drive, shockingly, anyhow. Oh, how about that? Um, but Jacob catches a backwards pass. He throws it to to Ethan, who is wide open, wide open, then overshoots him. So on the broadcast tee, I go, ah, God, I bet Miranda wants that one back. And then Burke's like, no, Naughton needs to keep running. <laughs> He's like, he didn't stop running once all week in practice. <laughs> so I'm taking that one, Cougs. That one's on me. That's great. I shouldn't have brought it up. Well done. Well done. So um, that puts a wrap on football, and we'll certainly look forward to uh, their game on Saturday at uh, Martin Luther in New Ulm. Let's move on to cross country. They competed, of course, at the UMAC Championships, which we previewed a little bit last week. Um, on Saturday, the men's team did place seventh. Greg Peterson led the way for the Cougs with All a ninth performer. place overall finish. Mm-hmm. Really, really nice there with a time of 27.29. Grant Strukel finished 18th overall with a time of 20. 844. So, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, all-conference performer there with with Peterson. Um, he's kind of been leading the way all year. Yep. It's just, just nice to see that uh, he gets that recognition. Yep. Uh, tough tough conditions down there for everyone, obviously, on, on Saturday with the with the temperature yeah. and, and what they were facing. Uh, and, and, again, the guys this year, and on the women's side to a certain extent, too, as we've talked about it with Coach Hessing, she's in the process of – rebuilding this program, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. in, increasing the numbers, increasing some of that competitiveness. And that's not to take anything away from Strukel or Peterson or any of the other guys involved. They 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 ran well and, and represented us well. Um, but it's just 
there's a lot of ground they're going to make up there. And especially when I'm going to mention this, because again, give credit where credit is due. Mm -hmm. Wisconsin Superior won the meet. Okay. And they placed one, two, three, four, and seven, the five runners that count. And then the other two runners that competed to them went 10 and 15. So if you scored their first seven runners, they would have still only had 42 total points. Martin Luther finished in second with 66. Wow. I mean, it's just, (laughs) again, UW, they've, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it is. They went one, two, three, four, seven wow. for crying out loud. So, are we at that point in time? No. Do I think that we could aspire to get there? Sure. sure. But there's some sure. work ahead of us. And 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 Greg had a great showing, man. Way to get out and yeah. and, and represent. Yeah. Women's team finished uh, fifth on the day. Sylvia Pesh once again led the way yep. for the Cougars, finishing eleventh overall with her time of twenty five oh five. Ilsa Hoagland ran a good race, placing fifteenth overall with a time of twenty five twenty three. And our final top 25 finisher was uh, Zoe Hoagland with a time of 26-17. So um, I was going to say it puts a wrap. It does not. They will compete again yep. here in a couple weeks at the uh, NCAA North Regional, and that's going to be hosted by UW-Eau Claire. Yep, where it is every year for us. Uh, we ended up placing in that fifth place, as you referenced, Tim. But the, between the difference between third and sixth, so um, sixth place would have been Northwestern and third. I don't. I think it was perhaps Crown, but whatever. The whole difference between those four different spots was only ten points. Wow. You know, and, and again in cross country, when you look at it, wherever your placing is, you add up those places to get there. So seriously, the difference between finishing forty seventh versus forty third or whatever is a huge deal. But yeah, between three and six, when you want to talk about people bunched together, it was Superior and Martin Luther as a clear one and two, and then really we were right in the back. So. Um, again, a, a good race, good to see in the same breath of what we're talking about on the guy's side that we went there, we competed, we did our thing, and now it's about building for the future and, and getting back to the top yeah. of the conference. Yeah, nope. that'll be uh, fun to follow. Of course, we'll um, look at those results here in a couple of weeks. Moving on to soccer. Uh, their final two games last week, um, men's soccer, a competitive 1-0 loss at uh, North Central just a week ago. Yes. Yeah. Um, looking at the stats, you'd actually think the Cougs got on the bus with the win because the Cougs had more shots, more shots on goal. North Central did end up scoring in the 80th minute, which was enough to get the win. Tristan Cruz and Cade Simonson did lead the way for the Cougs with four shots each, and Nick Isensi, four saves on the day there. Then on Saturday, uh, it was a 6-0 loss to Bethany. BLC put five scores on the board in the first half to really put it away early. Um, they led in shots and shots on goal proving that they are one of the top teams in the UMAC again this season. Cougs finish out the year tied for six uh, in the UMAC via the point system, uh, tied for six there. And then even though the wins weren't there, we had multiple ties on the year, uh, but the team really played hard all season long. And and uh, just some, some brief thoughts on the men's soccer season as a whole as we kind of look back on that. Yeah. Uh, I think the operative word is competitive. Yep. You know, they, they just, they were. They didn't get the wins necessarily where they needed to. And again, BLC and UWS, are, are they're far and away the top teams in the conference, but yep. I would equate this much like elsewhere where we saw Northwestern, we saw Crown, we saw, I mean, those were competitive, strong games for us too that we just maybe didn't come out on the top of. Um, and the reality is, and I've challenged Coach Turnbull with this multiple times over, is we just need more depth and more numbers. You yep. know, we got so, and I think I used the word decimated by injuries earlier, and I will say it again, that team just was just, and it's not just even Leuven Carver, you know what I mean? Like sure. that's a big one, but it's just ultimately where where they had to have guys playing out of position and yep. doing things because yep. there's 15, 16 healthy bodies. Multiple games, multiple weeks, yes. Correct, you know? Um, so is there stuff to build on? Yes. Was it a successful season? No. 
I mean, they're not, but that's where we're going to go examine things in the offseason and and get back after this thing. But they didn't lay down once. And even that loss to BLC, you look at 6 nothing. what a barn stomping. Yeah, it is. BLC is where we aspire to be there, and that's where we've got to try to get to. Women's soccer, um, same schedule there, a 3-0 win over North Central University in downtown Minneapolis last week. Cougs got on the goal, or Cougs got a goal on the board just past the midway point in the first half. That goal by AJ Lafreniere off an assist from Maddie Schneider. Uh, they added two more goals in the second half. Kim Peters with her ninth goal of the season, that assisted by Bella Toth, and then Kay Van Baron had her first goal of the year, and that mm-hmm. again assisted by Maddie Schneider. So Maddie Schneider setting people up all day long there uh, in downtown Minneapolis. Chantel Peralta earned the shutout with seven saves on the day between the posts for the Cougars. And I really she didn't play a ton, a ton of minutes in you know between the posts, but I felt like she really played well yep. this year when she got those opportunities. Yep, and we talked a little bit about it when I asked Coach Kyle about it. Um, and it, part of it is. Her skill set is there, without question. She's just, and I'll use this term loosely, just raw sure. in terms of yeah. it. So, I mean, she's a, a developing student athlete for us. Yep. That, yeah, a lot of excitement there in between the posts. Mm-hmm. And and you get that by getting game reps and experiencing action. So, yeah, for her to go out and pitch the shutout is huge. And then Saturday, of course, at Bethany Lutheran, Cougs lost 3 nothing to finish out the season there. Bella Toth was the lone Coug with a shot on goal. Danielle Reinhardt was in the net and had nine saves on the day. So, Danielle doing work. Uh, between the posts as well. Women's soccer finished the season tied for fifth in the UMAC, both record and points. Um, And then just overall thoughts as they head into the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the women's soccer talk echoes that on the guys' side. Numbers-wise, we need to continue to grow the roster, and not just for the you know, to increase talent levels, but it's also to give you that depth. Same bit where they ended up playing just a skeleton crew as we got down the year because injuries inevitably are going to happen in collegiate athletics. They just absolutely are. Um, But the women... Had a couple more wins on the board than what the guys did this year, and once again played competitively in many matches. The top part of the conference is top heavy, and then I think there's a whole lot of us in that other in that other realm that are fighting for that three four spot, yeah. trying to get into the conference tournament. So, Coach Kyle, you know, knows what's ahead of her, but but again, to get that win versus North Central again, a team that easy for me to say you should beat mm-hmm. is important, you know, to finish it that way, and then even go to Bethany, and yes, you lose three zero. But it's a competitive Correct. 3-0 yeah. um, to build into this offseason. Yep. Um, and last but not least, Cougar Volleyball, who is absolutely on a tear. So much fun to watch and follow. Uh, they earned two more big wins on the road this past weekend in Wisconsin. Friday night, they earned a hard-fought win over a very good UWS team. Uh, this guarantees the Cougs a home game next Wednesday night, which we will certainly talk about uh, next week on the pod. Um, but a 3-1 win with all four sets being close and competitive, as you would expect with two game, two good teams competing in this big spot here late in the season. The first set was a 27-25 win for the Cougars. After everyone in the gym and yeah. watching uh, thought that UWS won, I guess it would be 25-22, but there was a, I think... Think we think it was a net call yep. uh, that ended up being there, which uh, put the game instead of of twenty two twenty five. It was twenty four twenty three, in which the Cougs then went on to earn the win um, with some big plays down the stretch of that of that set twenty seven twenty five. The Yellow Jackets then came back to get set number two twenty five twenty three, and then consecutive twenty five twenty three wins for the Cougs to close out the match. So very competitive night of volleyball. Um, as you heard, all of those. Sats were within two points, so just really, really good volleyball played all night long. 
Laura Welbrock had 14 kills on the night to lead the Cougars' offensive charge, also added 19 digs. Tori Shaler, Maggie Jones with 10 kills each. They were also all over the nets defensively, um, accumulating many blocks throughout the night. So Shaler and Jones really did it on both sides of the net. Very, very impressive night for them. Kenzie Newton, 45 assists, incredible, along with 12 digs. We'll talk about Kenzie here in just another minute as well. Aver Brunn, another name we'll mention here, um, led all players with 41 digs, which happens to be fifth most in the single match in program history. So congratulations, Ava, on that. Sydney Eckhoff and MC Zembeck uh, with 17 and 14 digs, respectively, there. And obviously, um, a huge night and win for the Cougars on the road there at UWS on Friday. Yeah, it was awesome to watch. I know you and I both were. Uh, it was exciting volleyball. It is. Those are two really good teams. Uh, and now Superior is locked into that three seed. So who ends or whoever ends up as the two, which could very easily be us, or you know, seeing yep. how Northwestern unfolds this weekend. That's going to be a tough out. Yes. The beauty of of going and getting a win like that, though, is at least they have to come to our place, or they're going to go to Northwestern respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the first set unfolded how it did. Not really sure what the call was, but but it was in our benefit and 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 good because the women deserve that win. They played yeah. their tails off and they put themselves in a position to to be playing for a conference championship opportunity. What more can you ask for? But the the names are pretty pretty standard in mm-hmm. terms of what we we see week in and week out for them. And I will say for like the umpteenth time this year, their depth is shocking because there's you know multiple names on there where you're going, oh, I don't see. You know, where's Lydia Nash on that right, list? Right. You know, where's Anna Molstead on that list? And to know that those are still, those are big time players for us yes. among many others. You know, Lacey O'Leary, who, which I wish I, her name would have been there because I could have given you a little Irish. Um, well but you know what I mean? Those are those are players that over the over the year already have proven to be just dynamite for us. So yeah. I love what they got going on. Yeah, it's great. Then Saturday at Northland ended uh, with a relatively easy 3-0 sweep. 25-16, 25-12, and 25-21. Shaler finished the match with 10 kills and a 533 hitting percentage. Wellbrock, 9 kills on a 692 hitting percentage. You can yeah. just see that there just there wasn't the resistance at the net that they certainly faced the night mm-hmm. before. Um, Newton with another 39 assists and Brun 18 digs, just outstanding. And uh, MC Zimbeck with uh, 11 digs there. For their efforts, Aver Brun was named UMAC Defensive Player of the Week and Kenzie Newton once again named UMAC Setter of the Week. So congratulations to them. Setter third one, I think? Yes. Yep. Uh, so Cougar Volleyball now are in the midst of an absolutely outstanding season with a 19-6 and record, but... Obviously, more important, a near spot, uh, spotless 11-1 and UMAC record, which takes us to the next piece I want to talk about, Matt, and that's to, to preview a little bit um, this weekend. We got your thoughts on, on kind of how they did in Wisconsin. So now we're going we're gonna to welcome University of Northwestern mm-hmm. on Friday night, who has kind of been in that four to five nationally ranked area, uh, I would say, all year long. With complication or not with with championship implications yep. on the line, so a big game Friday night. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's well, it's a dream. You know what I mean? Honestly, from an AD perspective, to to know that you've got the second to last game of the year coming into your house with a nationally ranked opponent, and you've got the ability to match up with them pound for pound, and that doesn't mean the Cougs are going to come out with a win, and and we'll see how what unfolds on Friday night. But I know this: we're good. And Northwestern is good. So you want to talk about just a heavyweight tilt, Tim? Yeah. That's the thing that gets really exciting. Yeah, and I know we talked about this after their their match at Northwestern. And yes, it was a 3-0 sweep. But those games were competitive. All of them. 
all of them. And I think the second one, if I'm not mistaken, was 28-26, and yes. we were ahead like 22-18. Uh, yes. You know, and when you look at this, you know, for listeners out there, and you've heard us reference you, uh, you, you know, Northwestern here recently, but just for context, I went on this morning and then just nerded out for a little bit. The last time Northwestern lost a UMAC match was in 2019, and that was to Scholastica. So former opponent. Mm-hmm. And since that point of time, since Scholastica beat them in the regular season, they have lost four sets. Four sets, not matches, four sets. Correct. You know, so, I mean, when you think about that and the kind of run that they are on right now, I mean, it's shocking how good they are. And yet every time we we match up with them, it is toe for toe. Correct. And it is 25-23 or 25-22 or we are right there. And I, I... I just think Friday's the night. Right. I, I, I don't know why. And again, I, I always say this stuff that, uh, you know, you, you got to back up, I guess, ultimately when it gets to it. Right. But, uh, you know, there's been a lot of messaging already on campus. I wrote an email to everyone on campus yesterday about pack the gym, mm-hmm. you know. Now, will we have 1,500 people there and actually fill up that ginormous bleachers? No, I don't think so. But I would love to have every Cougar student athlete there. I'd like to have anybody that has any interest in supporting this squad because the women deserve it. Yeah. Win, lose, or draw. And I think I said in my little blurb, I know they're going to play a good caliber of of volleyball and it's you get to see one of the best teams in the country you know remember northwestern last year lost in the final four yeah you know and again we we stand with them toe to toe and and i'm right with you man and i think both things can be true yes we are welcoming in one of the top teams in the country and that doesn't take anything any shine off of us because we are right there we're 19 and 6 incredible and and yes it's 11 and 1 in conference and and that's not to take anything away from northland right but we're going to go beat northland like that's not the point we also have racked up what a half dozen wins versus Mayak teams this year and we went down and got buena vista and coach Guth has done a really good job of a of of putting an aggressive schedule together to prepare our women for times like this. And now, rather than being on the road for this thing and in hostile confines, they get to come to us. Yep. Where I want there to be a buzz in the air. You know, that I've seen our volleyball team when it when it's when it's in these situations and they thrive off of it. Yeah, they just they've, absolutely do. They've had an outstanding season and this is a very appropriate uh penultimate game mm-hmm. here as we wind things down. Uh, to welcome in the Eagles, and and we're going to give them more than they want. I yeah. know that for and, sure. And setting night. ourselves up for Wednesday night, as you yeah. referenced, and I know we'll talk about that on the next pod, we're hosting yeah. a playoff game. Absolutely. You know, So whoever it is, wherever we finish, either the one or the two seed respectively, someone's got to come to our house. Yep. So the trip to the UMAC championships is going to run through Morris, yeah. and that, dude, it's exciting. It's yeah. really, really exciting. It is. So that'll be a great place to be Friday night. We'll have a lot to talk about uh, on next week's pod. 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Yep, and again, for any of you out there, and I'm sure many people know, uh, we have historically not charged admission for students, faculty, staff, anybody in this year or this game. We're not charging admission for any Cougar fan. And I don't even know how I'm going to moderate that between Northwestern. I don't care. I don't want $6 to be the reason that somebody doesn't come yeah. to a game or say, oh, I've got a family of four and it's going to cost me 40 bucks." Not Friday. Bring them. Get into the gym. That's awesome. Love it. Great idea. Um, looking ahead again, just kind of wrap up uh, as we look ahead to this week's schedules. Again, football will be at Martin Luther on Saturday. Big game there. Swim and dive, as we mentioned, is home on Friday and then at Southwest State University on Saturday. Volleyball, let's pack the gym. Let's show up uh, Friday night and Saturday for this awesome team and, and give them all support um, that we can. Once again, special thanks to engineer Mike Seahawk. Uh, outstanding work today, Mike, with all the, the fun um, Halloween special, so we appreciate you there. And student intern Jack Gala, thank you for your work. So happy Halloween, everybody. Keep those kids safe and warm out there tonight. Uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate all the Cougar faithful out there. And until next time, go Cougs! 
You've been listening to Into the Den with Matt Johnson and Tim Grove. Let's put a bow on this thing. To get the latest episodes of Into the Den, follow us on Spotify and online at morriscougars.com. Until next time, go Cougars.